What's up? This is Jonathan Smith, your host here at Shooting the Schmidt. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to the podcast. Eddie Garrison joined me again today to talk the NFL schedule release and the NBA playoffs. Suns got bounced last night. Two game sixes tonight. It's an absolutely loaded podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. NFL schedule release was last night. I've got Eddie Garrison coming back on the pod to talk primetime schedules, Colt schedules, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of the easier and harder schedules in the NFL. And before we even started, the Raiders, he texted me last night, and he's like, the Raiders have five primetime games, Yeah, which is absurd. I just, I don't know. Jimmy G, it's 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 got to be for the looks. It's got to, they just got to be like, you know what, Jimmy G's the best looking guy in our league. We we want women to watch as well as men, so let's just put the Raiders on TV a lot. Yeah, I mean they went six and eleven last year, and like, so how much better can they be with Jimmy G? Like, and you look and at no Daryl Waller. Yeah, I know they have a Sunday night game against the Steelers. They have the Packers, uh, the Jets. Let's see the Chargers. Um, I'm trying to find the other one. The Lions. So like, what? Like, you look at all those, it's like, none of them are the Chiefs. Like, you would think that yeah. with them being in the same division as Kansas City, that one of their five primetime games would be against Kansas City. Well, you said one of them was the Chargers, which makes sense. Because they're, I think, I think people are really high on them this year. People are really high on the Lions as well. And who are the other three? Uh, you've got the Steelers. you got Meh. the Packers. The Packers have, several, have multiple got primetime five, games. They've got five, too. Uh, the Lions, the they, Jets. They got to know something that we don't about Jordan Love. No way know. that they're no way they're putting him on TV this much if they don't have at least a hunch that he's going to be good. That or it's like just because of the brand of being like the Green Bay Packers. They are the like, Packers, yeah. So that that in itself would draw interest, but it's just fascinating to see how they did it this year because you know it's the first year now yeah. where not everyone has to have a guaranteed. Primetime game. Yeah. Um, and They're playing on, on, on Thanksgiving, too. The Packers are. Yes. Uh, they are playing uh, the Lions on Thanksgiving. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, they've got the Chiefs in primetime, the Giants in primetime, and then Week 17 Vikings in primetime. That's going to get flexed. You think so? Yeah. I don't think the Vikings are, are going to be that good, and I'm not a huge believer in the Packers either. There will be some Week 17 game. That decides some playoff spots for a couple teams, and I think that game will get flexed out. Let's look at Week 17 then. Um, if I had to look initially, Dolphins Ravens. Yeah. Ooh, that'll be fun. That would be my. That would be the best. Colts Texans. <laughs> <laughs> I am so upset that the Bengals and Chiefs is not a primetime game. Like it should be. Like that's a crime. Exactly. Like, and I was just, I was shocked it wasn't early in the year because of Ooh. everything that happened last year. Chiefs Chargers Week 18. Or there's no Chief, prime time. Chiefs Bengals on, on Week 17. Excuse me. Yeah, you're yeah, right. That yeah. that's gonna get flexed in. That's All got right. to because they're probably gonna be battling for the number one overall seed, and that matters so much more now with, with the bye week and everything. I think it's more interesting too because of the way the schedule, the way they had the schedule this year. Uh, networks were bidding for games, if I recall correctly. Yes. It's not the typical AFCs on CBS, NFCs mm-hmm. on Fox, or where the where the opposing team or the away team has their choice of 
what network they want. Uh, this year was up to the networks and the bidding war. So if that Jeez. were to happen, I don't know the ramifications on how the flex scheduling would work. Because I would assume, I think CBS has that Bengals-Chiefs game, that they paid a good amount of money for it because it's A, Patrick Mahomes, B, it's yeah. Joe Burrow. Yeah, they do have the CBS, and it's it's the 420 slot. Yeah. So it'll be the the afternoon primetime, not primetime game, but it's it'll be the game that everybody watches at, at 420 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So, yeah, that's, that is going to be an expensive one. What did you think of the schedule release? Um, I'm here for it. Uh, I haven't been able to fully deep dive into everybody's schedule because I was watching basketball last night yep, and same. all that kind of stuff. So, But I've, I've looked over it enough. I think I've got a decent idea. I think some teams caught some breaks. I think other teams didn't. I think the Colts are one of the teams that caught some breaks looking at their schedule. They don't have to they don't have to see Josh Allen. They don't have to see Patrick Mahomes. Nope. The best quarterback that they're going to see is Lamar Jackson or Trevor Lawrence. And then outside of that, it's a lot of meh at quarterback. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, you're right. They they do have the Bengals. Like yep. outside of those three guys though, I mean, part of that is playing in the AFC South. You see Stroud twice, you see Tannehill twice. Maybe Maybe or Levis. Either way, though, like you're not, you know, shaking in your boots at the second round right. pick, Will Levis. Yeah, I will forever refer to him as the second round pick, <laughs> Will Levis. Smart, smart. And who's I'm blanking. Who's the last team in their division? Jeez. Um, yeah, uh, Chargers. Not Chargers. What? I'm not awake yet. So it's okay. It's all good. Uh, Jaguars, Texans, and Titans. Oh yeah, I was right. I, I, yeah. I named them all. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Not until I'm expansion, tired too, apparently. Have, not until expansion, they have three divisional opponents. Yeah, so they're I didn't, but their schedule isn't too too grueling. Um, their Fanduel odds are set at six and a half wins on the year. I was looking at that too on DraftKings. It's like it's favored uh, toward the over, and the under on DraftKings is like plus one twenty, I think. Hmm. And I know on Fanduel it's more even. It's like minus one eighteen for the over, minus one fourteen for the under. That sounds right. I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I'm looking at it right now, um, which I think six and a half. That I think that's a really fair number. I agree. I, I think I would take him to win six games, just because Anthony Richardson's only played 13 college games. I think it's going to take him a minute. I know that all the traits are there, but it's still a, a big jump for a guy who didn't play a ton in college. So I agree. I, I, I think I take the under for that. I, I don't know. I go back and forth because really, it all depends on. Who starts week one? Like, are you starting Richardson right away? Are I think you starting they will. Minshew right away. Like, if you start Minshew week one, I think there's a case that that can be made that they could beat Jacksonville. Uh, really? I I because it's a home game. I okay. To start the year, you got the, the the crowd. You'll have all the fans there because they know they don't suck yet. Uh, so like, <laughs> there's the, there's, the there's still hasn't a little gone, bit of hope. Yeah, there's still hope. There's still hope for them to win the AFC South because like. The season hasn't started yet, and you never know in the NFL. Like a team could look like absolute crap last year, and then next thing you know, you get a new change at the helm, and everyone's re-energized, and all yeah. these players that you've paid top dollar for revert uh, revert closer to the form of the top dollar versus how they played last year. Uh, so, I mean, it's you can make the case that Minshew could lead them to a win over Jacksonville. You could also make the case that Anthony Richardson could as well because, you know, the typical mantra of, oh, well, they're a divisional foe. They, you know, you know each other. And to the, like this year, I can't say they do. New All, coach, I, new quarterback. Exactly. Yeah, new coach, new, co- new quarterback, new philosophy. Like So there's not any familiarity on the offensive side. Now, on the defensive side, I can say there is because – Gus Bradley was retained, so he has an understanding 
on what Jacksonville wants to do, my, on what Tennessee wants to do. My concern with the Colts and them winning games is how's the secondary going to look? And look, Trevor Lawrence, I think he continues his his ascension. I've got a take about Jacksonville that, that I'll get off here in a minute. Uh, I think he continues to ascend. It's another year under Doug Peterson. So, if anything, I think they're going to be even better than they were last year. I I think I think I don't know. That's just I think that's a really tough week one game, given how much newness there there is on the roster at at all the the key positions. Well, I would say there's also some newness on the Jacksonville side of things too. They're starting two new tackles. So, that's fair. And and when you're looking at a you know a younger quarterback and it's week one, it's like that's the best time for any defense to really. Yeah. attack on a on on some rookie or not rookies but like first year tackles with a specific quarterback cuz they're probably not going to play a lot in the preseason and if they do it's very limited and then you have that two week gap from week 3 preseason to the start of the regular season so i mean there's a good chance i mean i last year i'd have to go back and look at how many games week 1 were one possession games because of just the rust factor and not being able to have the full on experience of playing together with teammates that's fair but do, do we really trust quitty pay and who's who, who, who's even going to be on, on the on the other side for the colts to generate consistent pressure enough um, to to help those young corners on the back end Ebukam, the the guy from san francisco yeah i just we'll see i'm i'm not a big believer in the Colts. look i just said that i don't think they're going to win more than six six games, games. so i mean <laughs> we'll see though i i Look, and it but, all depends on Shaq Leonard, too. It yeah. does. And I, I think that the big thing, though, from a Colts perspective, is looking at this list. And I think that you know, a lot of fans, they they come to the season and they want to win games. And, like, that makes sense. I understand that. But the goal for the Colts this year is not to go, you know, 11-6. and six. The goal for the Colts this year is to figure out what they have with Richardson and, uh-huh. and to develop him. And looking at the schedule, I mean, are there really any defenses where you're just like, oof, like I mean, you've got you've got the Patriots. That game's in Germany, and those foreign games are always weird. Yep. So who knows, you know, how that's going to go? The Ravens are probably going to have a pretty solid defense this year. But outside of that, I think there's Cleveland and uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, yeah, P- P- Pittsburgh will have a good defense. Uh, since he's been good on the defensive side of the ball these past few years, I wouldn't sleep on Carolina either defensively. And yeah, because like, they're due. They had that draft, I guess it was three or four years ago now. They have J.C. Horn, Brian Burns. That uh, whole draft class. Shaq Thompson and mm-hmm. uh, who's the Jeremy Chin, you know, the Fishers product here locally from Indy. Uh, who else is on that defense that I'm forgetting about? But, like, when you look at the opponents, the Colts, it's like it's interesting because you have Baltimore. They've got a good defense. I can't remember who their edge rusher is right now. Then you've got uh, Aaron Donald. Then you have Jeffrey Simmons. But outside of Aaron Donald. Then you have uh, Miles Garrett, uh, Cam Jordan, Brian Burns, yeah. Matt Judon. Uh, who's off the edge in Tampa? Um, they Shaq all left. Barrett. Oh, yeah, I guess Shaq Barrett is still there, yeah. Uh, Shaq Barrett, and then later you've got Hendrickson and um, Sam Hubbard for Cincinnati. Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. you got T.J. Watt, and then I can't remember who's off the edge in Atlanta. Does Does Atlanta even have anybody who plays defense? Uh, <laughs> I know they do in the middle. Uh, Grady Jarrett is he still there? I think so. They've yeah. got a, they've got another good D tackle. They have a pair of good D tackles like uh, like the Colts do. And then Vegas, uh, I, do they have? I can't remember who they're. Uh, oh, uh, Crosby. Yep, Max Crosby. Thank you. So it's like, and then Houston, obviously, you have Will, Will Anderson. Anderson. So, it's, I mean, the the amount of pass rushers that are going to be 
against the Colts this year. It's going to be a true test for Bernard Ryman and Braden Smith. And then even yeah. if you have to throw in a Blake Freeland every now and then because, A, somebody's hurt, or maybe Bernard Ryman just doesn't come out and play at the level which you expect after putting on uh, 15 pounds, as he said earlier this week. My thing with Richardson, I'm not too, too worried about about him being pressured because he's athletic enough and watching his tape at Florida, if like he moves well in the pocket, yeah, he can feel pressure. I'm not worried about that part of it. My my biggest concern is like reading the defense. And when we look at the defensive coordinators and the coaches, like outside of Rabel and Belichick, there's no coach on here where I'm just like, I know that they're going to throw some wonky stuff for Richardson. I'd say Dennis Allen. Yeah, that's in New fair. Orleans. I don't but, know who the D coordinator is there. I don't know if he's calling plays or not. He probably is. It wouldn't surprise me for us. But either way, though, like for the most part, there aren't too, too many defensive coordinators on here where I'm just like, man, they're going to make life really tough on Richardson, which is going to be good for him in year one. So, And it's also because you're not playing any of these outstanding quarterbacks. You're not going to get into a shootout with, with Patrick Mahomes. You aren't going to get in a shootout with the Bills. So they should be able to turn around and, and hand the ball off to Jonathan Taylor, which should take some pressure off of him. I agree. Um, it, it'll be fascinating to see how it all plays out because – the one thing that I noticed, I don't know if you have, I don't know if you noticed this either. I was watching some Richardson tape prior to the draft, and like, I understand he makes mistakes, like every quarterback does, mm-hmm. but he learns from them relatively quickly. I would agree. Um, like one game in particular, I was watching the Tennessee game because I think he had, I can't, remember, it was like a roller coaster game for him. He had some good plays, some bad, some in somewhere in the middle. And, like, they ran some very complex zone coverage against him early in the game, and he had no idea what to do. And then later, because he tried to escape out of the pocket instead of stepping in. So then later in the game, he steps into the pocket, and then he delivers the ball over the middle of the field. So it's like, he can, to me, when I see that kind of stuff, that's to me, that's the sign of a good quarterback who's willing to learn and is a and he's able to learn from his mistakes and being able to recall like, oh, I've seen this already. I need to do this this time instead of doing that. Yeah, and I think that just everything that we've heard about Richardson so far, look, he said all the right things. They've said all the right things about him. Seems to be really into the playbook. Like He, he seems like he's a guy like who wants to learn, and that's that's half the battle. Because, yeah. you know, you get guys in all sports, you know, you get guys like DeAndre Ayton who, like, once they get drafted, they're like, sweet, like, I'm I'm cool. And so... Having a guy like Richardson, where it seems like he's a legit, you know, a football guy, right? That's what they say. Mm-hmm. Is that's a really important thing, especially given how how little he's played. Yeah, I agree with you. I've got some thoughts on the eight in front of that that'll hold off on for another day. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm talking playoffs after this, so you're more than welcome to stick around. <laughs> so I know we were talking a little bit beforehand just about the easiest schedule. We both said the Jags beforehand and that's that's who I've got their schedules like I wouldn't call it a cakewalk but I feel like all their tough games they have at the right time of the year and they're home and they're at home like getting Kansas you know, City at home after the Colts and we see that's another part of the reason why I think the Colts couldn't you know steal a win is like Jacksonville's already you know like oh you know we've got Kansas City week two like that's where our focus is yeah we can just walk in here and beat Indianapolis we did it uh once last year yeah I here's here's my once again as I said earlier I haven't fully looked at everybody's schedule but I I think that the road to the Super Bowl in the AFC is going to run through Jacksonville. Really? I think they're going to be I think they're going to be the number 1 seed. I think they're going to be really good. Mm. I think they'll beat the Colts week 1. They get the Chiefs at home in September. They going could, from the Midwest 
down to Florida. Like we like we see it happen with the Dolphins all the time, where these northern teams come down where it's early in the year, and they just they, they don't handle the heat very well. They don't handle the, the humidity. Yeah, and teams lose because of that. We we saw we saw it in the Buffalo game last year with Miami. I think the same thing happens here with Kansas City. That's two and zero, and and then they get the Texans. They should beat them. They should beat the Falcons. Uh, they get the Bills at home as well. That's in October, so the heat shouldn't be as bad. Um, but I don't. I like the Bills this year. I don't think I like them as much as I do last year. Like, there's a legit scenario where they start seven and zero, and then you know they're seven and zero going into Week Eight to take on the Steelers. I don't think that's too too far fetched. No, because they have two home games, even though well, one's listed as home, and the other's an away game. That but it's essentially home for them. Yes, that are you Buffalo about, game. Yeah, um, those are the games in London, right? Yeah, yeah, and then. Pittsburgh, we'll see how how Pickett develops. That's really going to kind of depend on what I think of Pittsburgh. And then they get San Francisco at home. And, and look, San Francisco yeah. has a better roster, but they're traveling all the way across the country. Yep. That is it's not an easy thing to do. Jacksonville's coming off a bye. That's a really winnable game. And then they get Tennessee and Houston again. They get Cincinnati at home. Uh-huh. Like it's a very favorable schedule for them. Like this is a team where we could look up at the, the end of the year and go, "How did Jacksonville go 13 and 4?" Yeah. I think it's it's a real possibility. And you look at later, they've got Baltimore at home. They do. I, all their tough games are at home. Uh-huh. Besides <laughs> Buffalo, God. that's the only one, really. Yeah, and that's not even an away game. It's, I know. It's, it's a neutral site game. Uh-huh. And Yeah. yeah. They're one of those teams, like you said, they could go 13-3 and three and you wouldn't be surprised because it's like when you look at their schedule, oh, they've had you know Kansas City at home, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and then... They're also the team that's like if they went ten and seven, I wouldn't be eleven and six. Either. Yeah, you wouldn't be surprised yeah. either because it's like, like you just said, like all those tough opponents. So it's like those could give, come down to a couple of possessions. They could, but it's it's also year two, and anytime you're, you're in year two of a coach, there's usually more improvement because there's familiarity within the system. And Calvin Ridley's going to play this year. Uh-huh. People forget about that. They have a legit number one receiver, and so I, they're. I think they're going to be real. They're going to be tough. I also want to mention the Falcons here. Listen to how their schedule starts. Oh, it's so soft. Carolina, Green Bay, Detroit, Jacksonville, Houston, Washington, Tampa Bay, Tennessee. Jeez. There's two teams in there with a winning record. Yeah. I think if you look at the um oh, I don't have the link to that. But if you look at strength of schedule based off of opponent win percentage from last year, the, knew, the Falcons the are the lowest. Fourth. They're fourth lowest. So, yeah, it's like everybody from the AFC South is in, is in that bottom Because they play six. the NFC South. Yeah, or the NFC South. Thank you. My bad. But, yeah, I mean, it's – I just – yeah. I'm Their win total, I think, is set at like 8.5 on FanDuel. And I think it's strictly Atlanta? because of – yeah, it's, it's at 8.5. Because it's strictly because of how soft their, their schedule is. So if you like Desmond Ritter, I would take the over. I do not like Desmond Ritter, therefore I will be taking the under. Yeah, like even still after that Tennessee game, you've got Minnesota, Arizona. I don't think Minnesota's going to be that good. Arizona's going to be bad. We got the Jets, uh, Bucks, Falcons, Colts, Bears, Falcons or Saints. Yeah, I mean, it's so it's insanely easy. It's it's incredibly easy. It's all going to like you said. It's going to come down to Ritter. It is if he's. He didn't have to be good. If he can just be, like, average, then they'll be fine. And they'll win, you know, nine games. And they'll finish second in the division behind New Orleans. 
because the Saints have a pretty pretty easy schedule as well. What did you think of them drafting Bijan? The the Falcons? Yeah. I knew they would do it. Um, look, he's really good. I just don't think that you take a running back that high ever. I I you know I think the only time like Ezekiel Elliott was taken fourth. He was good for five years, and now they're paying him way too much money in Dallas. Now he's a free agent. He is a free agent. You're right. He's, he's even playing anywhere. And so, I just, like, you get, you know, seven years max out of those guys. And you can wait till the third, fourth round and get maybe a guy who isn't as good, but Devon A-Chain went in the third round this year, and he can do a lot of the things that Robinson can do. He can run between the tackles. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. Devon A-Chain can split out wide, which I think in some ways is even more valuable. And so, I just don't like it's just the Taylor health of A-Chain, really. Yeah, that is the thing. And, but I do think, like, Bijan is a tremendous talent. I think he's com- comparable to Saquon Barkley. The elusiveness, the power they can run with. And I don't think at Texas they utilized him in a way that they should have. I think they could have used him more as a receiver, but they didn't. That's fair. I, I mean, the dude's out right now training with Jamar Chase. Like, Yeah. And the highlight videos, like, he's got Did good hands. Did you see the Micah Parsons video where he's running with Jamar Chase and then the the running back that the uh, yes Deuce the, Vaughn took, Deuce Vaughn, and they're doing the little uh, shuttle shuttle run, and he beats them both. He He's cheated. Just... <laughs> he started before him, and he didn't go all the way to the line. That's fair. That's fair. I'm still though. Still, he's insane. I, I built my fantasy football team around Jamar Chase. So. No, there you go. Yeah. So you you want to know who has the toughest schedule in the NFL? I'm gonna go with like Philly. I I think it's Miami. Dallas. Miami's Ooh. is tough. They're at LA Week One. Which one? Uh, the Chargers. Okay. Then they're at New England. That's anytime you're going to see Belichick. That's always tough. They got yeah. Denver in Week Three, who should be a lot better. Then they go to Buffalo. You know, their first four weeks they're only at home once. Week Five, they've they've got the Giants, who I don't think are going to be great this year. But I mean, Brian Dable can coach. Daniel Jones looked all right. They've added some receivers. And then they, they get Carolina at home. That's like the first game that I look at, and I'm just like, they should win that game. Then they go to Philly. That's tough. New England at home. To, uh, it's at Kansas City, but it's it's in Germany. That's that's week nine. Uh-huh. By week, Las Vegas at home. To the Jets on Black Friday. To Washington. That should be a win. If two is playing at, during week 13, we don't even know. Week 14 at home against the Titans on, on Monday Night Football, that should be a win. You got Mike F. and White, you kidding me? Yeah, right, we do. We do have Mike White. <laughs> uh, week 15, they, they've got the Jets, Mike White r- r- revenge game. <laughs> week 16, they've got Dallas, and then they're at Baltimore, and then they've got Buffalo at home to end the year. Like, that's that's brutal. That is a tough schedule. Yeah, it is pretty brutal. I didn't realize it was that bad. It is, I mean... I think that, and they only got what three primetime games. Uh, New England, yeah, New England Sunday night, Philadelphia Sunday night, Tennessee is Monday night, but they've got the Jets on Black Friday, so that's that's also primetime. So is four. it? It's it's the only game on. And te- we'll see, in technicality, primetime is only when it's like a night. I think a it's night a night game. game. It's a three o'clock. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. My thing is, if you're the only team on, on a day where a and lot it's of- on Prime Video, it's not on like. Yeah, they not on cable. Amazon paid a ton of money for that game. Oh yeah, like it's 
I just hope that their broadcast is better than it was last year because it wasn't great. I didn't think some, the broadcast was bad. Like, the calling of the game, I think Kirk Herbstreet's awesome. He's one of my favorite guys to listen to. But just, like, some of the technical stuff, I know for me, I'm usually busy on Thursday nights, and so I, I have to record a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so Thursday nights, whenever I get home, I got to run it back, and they're, it's, it's skipping. It was just not great. It was not a great experience taping games on Amazon Prime last year. Uh, I watched them live, and I would always watch on the um, the All-22. Yeah. With, uh, I think it's like the next-gen stats. Powered mm-hmm. by AWS. AWS. Yeah. All I, would, I would prefer that because, I mean, you still have you still have Herb Street and you still have Al Michaels. But you, do. Uh, you get the full 22 awesome. view and you get to see what everyone else sees. And plus, you get to see some different angles. That's fair. It's cool. I, I like how, I like how they, they do stuff like that. But yeah, this Miami schedule. And part of it is, like, unlike Jacksonville, all their tough games are, are on the road. Yeah. And that's ultimately the difference. I mean, the fact that their over-under is set at 9.5 and, and they have one of the most talented rosters in the league with one of the best defensive coordinators, I think speaks to how tough that schedule is. Uh-huh. Like, the fact that they're only... And I think and it, it's because they have to play the Jets and uh, Buffalo four times. Yeah. So it's like they go 2-2, two and two, they go 1-3, they go 3-1. Go they Yeah. Because there's no... Well, here's the thing, though. I like I like how this year the way that they have that Buffalo game set up, they're going there in September, and then Buffalo's going to Miami in de- December or January, whenever week week eighteen is. And yeah. so you don't have the weather impacting it as much. I I kind of like either, that for either game, yeah. And so even though part of me is like, I know that if Buffalo has to come down in September, Miami's probably going to win that game, just because that. I mean, you remember the game last year. Like, oh, yeah. That was uh, that was awful. I don't know how the Dolphins survived it. Their defense was on the field for 40 minutes. I don't either. The the amount of humidity in that game, it was just brutal. Yeah, guys passing out. Stephon Diggs didn't play the, like the, the entire fourth quarter because he's cramping on the sideline. Yeah. I need that. <laughs> <laughs> Even though, I, mean, I don't know, with, with X and Ramsey out there, I mean, I'm, just, I'm, I'm looking at some of these over-unders. First of all, Jacksonville at 9.5, the over's a lock. You think so? I don't. There's no way they don't win ten games. I mean, did they win last year. They won not nine games last year. No, ten games. Nine, nine or ten. They 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 were kind of yeah. in that same area. Maybe eight. I don't know. They may have went eight and nine. I I thought they went nine and eight. In nine and eight. Division. Yeah. Yeah. But just and then you know the Chargers whose schedule isn't nearly as tough. Like they're set at nine and a half. And just with how talented the roster is in Miami and how low the over under is, I think it just speaks to how insanely tough that schedule is. So nine and a half, I just that's insane. Even though the Jets, I think they're also set at nine and a half. Their schedule's tough too. The way that they open, they go let me pull it up. I remember I was reading it the other day and I was just like, that's insanely tough. So let's see, they go uh, The Jets? Yeah, the Jets. Week one, they've got Buffalo. Then they go to Dallas, and then they get New England, and then they get Kansas City. And then they go to Denver and then they have to play Philly. That's a tough start. It's a rough start. And if you go beyond that, it's the Giants and the Chargers. Yeah. And then they get a break with the Raiders. <laughs> and then the, and it's, uh, you kidding me? That's a primetime game. What are you oh, yeah, about? oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Jim, Jimmy G in Vegas. Even though by that point, it, it, it may be Tom Brady. It's still going to be so weird seeing Aaron Rodgers in green and white like that. And, and wearing number eight? He's not even going to be wearing number 12? I know. And then, I mean, and then, but, but after that Raiders game, they go Buffalo and Miami. I mean, it's it's gonna be that the AFC East. 
might be the toughest division in football this year. I like how the schedule actually worked out this year for divisions against divisions because you have some of the top teams going against the other top teams a lot this year. You do. The bottom teams going against the bottom teams this year. Yeah, and I I know you mentioned Philly's schedule earlier. I just think that the opening part of their schedule isn't super tough. Like they go to New England, which isn't I don't think it's going to be too bad. And then and then they get Minnesota, who I don't think is going to be very good. They get Tampa. That's on the road in Tampa, so maybe the humidity has an effect there, but they're so much more talented than Tampa. I, I think they'll be fine. And then they get Washington, who's not great. The Rams, who I don't think is going to be very good this year. They're over-under set at 6.5. And, um, and then they go to the Jets, which will be tough. Miami at home, to Washington, and then the Cowboys before they get their bye week. That's when it really starts, though. And that's when it's tough, because their next four games, or next three games, excuse me, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers. Uh, You have Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks, Giants, Cardinals, Giants. Yeah. So So the second half of their schedule is after their bye week. After their bye week is going to be tough. But those first nine weeks, I mean, outside of Miami and the Jets, I still don't think you can look over Minnesota like... I like they were. They had a lot of good fortune last year with winning did. a lot of close games, but like, winning's a skill. That's like, I I don't know. I don't know. Like I they just, had Jordan Addison. That's an improvement over um Thielen. over Adam Thielen. They still have Justin Jefferson. They still have Cook and Madison. The, they, the offense isn't like and, the offense and is going to be fine. Yeah, I just I don't. Their defense was so bad last year. And like in that like when, to start the year, um, Zadarius Smith. Yeah. Right? He was great. You're sitting there it's like, this is going to be the comeback player of the year. Like, he looks awesome. And then you and know, he got hurt again, didn't he? He got hurt. And then after that, the defense just fell off a cliff. Yeah. Like, And that's that's why I have no faith in Minnesota. It's also Kirk Cousins. I have no faith in a Kirk Cousins quarterback team for, I think, fair reasons. They've got, what, four primetime games? So you can at least knock out four L's on, on, that's right. onto the L <laughs> column because, you know, primetime Cousins can't play. I think my favorite thing ever – he won his first playoff game. He started like like zero and eight in the playoffs, something like that. And then Mason Rudolph on live TV is like, "All y'all said he couldn't win playoff games." I think it was in prime time too. No, no, it wasn't. Either way. And then I just remember sitting down. I'm watching TV the next day, and someone's like, "Yeah," because up until that moment, he hadn't won any any playoff games. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I just athletes fired up. Who had the best the best uh, schedule release? I like the Chargers, even though the Titans is really good. I think it's good, but I think it was stupid. Honestly, it's like the really, Titans one. Come on, yes, I just I was like, I was like, yeah, it's funny, but like to me, like after a couple of them, it, it doesn't get so funny anymore. The Red Stallions. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like some of them. It's like, come on, really? Yeah, that's fair. Uh, look, the Chargers anime one is always cool. Didn't the Raiders have one too? A really good one where they put a QR code out and, and the QR code was how to get a job. Oh, really? Was yeah. it really? Yeah. That's hilarious. I didn't see that one. But no, the, the Chargers one is good. They do all the extra background stuff. Pat, Pat, Pat McAfee was on there. I don't know if you saw the Chargers whole thing, but. I haven't yet. Speaking of which, Pat McAfee to ESPN? I don't know. We'll see. It wouldn't surprise me. He's already got somewhat of a contract with them because of his game day. Yeah, and he he just had the kid, and yeah. Like, and if you work for ESPN, you just have less stuff to do. Uh, 
He'd still have a show, but I, I don't know how they would take his show. Like, Yeah. Would it still be on YouTube? Would you, I, it would, would it have be, to. Yeah. They, they, ESPN still does stuff on YouTube. Like, when they do, like, Get I mean, Up like, with Greeny, it's live on YouTube and it's is live it really? on. Or, yeah. Okay. But my thing is, you know, part of what makes McAfee McAfee is the language. Yes. That's that's what I was hinting at. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. The language and, um, just how you know open he is with everything the randomness yes the randomness and not even just him just like the entire crew yeah that whole crew is they something do, they do a really good job yeah that's the easiest way to say it so yeah. any any other takeaways from the schedules i don't think so no okay i'm excited it's almost here i just realized my my wedding is is on week 1 sunday which is really frustrating why would you do that i wasn't even thinking about it they were just like you can get married September 10th, or you can wait till like October 20th. And I was like, September 10th. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's true. Who the so, Dolphins got that week, huh? Uh, it's week one, so they will play. No, they, 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 they are on primetime that week. Um, where's my link? Jeez, there it is. Uh, the Chargers on the road. So, you know, oh, it'll be great. I don't have to sit there and be reminded of how Justin Herbert's a better quarterback than Tua. You said the 20th was the other game, right? Or the other date? Of October, like like it may it may have been like the twenty fourth somewhere in there. Oh, so that's either before or after the Eagles primetime game. Jeez, yeah, I don't know if I want to watch that. Should've, one you should have chose that one, so you're you're you know, you're blacked out. And you don't you, you don't uh, have a chance to yeah <laughs> to watch A and B remember what happened. No, I think it'd be terrible. Like the the wedding's over, heading back. You know, we get back to the. I think we're we're wherever we're going. She's like, all right, like you ready? I'm like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch the Dolphins game first, <laughs> and then we can do all the, yeah. all the other stuff. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> but all right, we're gonna take a short break. Uh, you get to stick around and, and talk playoffs for 20 minutes or so. Yeah, let's do it. Sweet. All right, we're, we're gonna take a short break, and we'll be right back with more shooting the Schmidt. And we're back with more shooting the Schmidt. The NBA playoffs full swing. Some of the best playoffs we've had in a while. Let's start with Phoenix, whose season is over. I was on this. Po- I I said it on Tuesday. All these people were so quick, so quick to crown Devin Booker. Devin Booker, next big thing. Devin Booker is is he potentially a, a top five guy? I saw that on ESPN, and I was like, they have no other content clearly to talk about. Uh huh. And and then you know they're down by thirty at halftime in Game Six, just like last year. Yep. Do you remember? Uh, I guess was it Game Seven last year against Dallas? Yeah. Where he scored eleven points in Game Seven. And in Game Six, he scored 19 and didn't shoot better than 35 percent from the floor in either one of them. Yeah, I just, God, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a Devin Booker guy. I think he's just, he's Donovan Mitchell, but he played at Kentucky, and so people like him more because he, because he played at a blue blood. He's a more efficient Donovan Mitchell. That's fair. He is, he's better than Donovan Mitchell. Let me say that. But still, just outside of his ability to score, I don't feel like he, he impacts the game. Like we're gonna talk about Tatum. He plays good. He's a really good defender when he's engaged. He is. Like, in those early games in the series, those two games they won specifically. Oh, yeah. He played at, like, a first-team all-defensive level. He did. But we're going to talk about Tatum here in a minute. And a lot of the big take was Devin Booker's better than Jason Tatum, which I don't believe. We're going to talk about Tatum in his game six here in a minute. And we'll, we can kind of compare them then. But I don't know. I, I think part of the thing, though, with the Suns is their roster is just so terrible. Horrible. They need a new point guard. Look, I love Chris Paul. He's going to be 38 next year. They need a young point guard who can run the offense when he's not on the floor. Because, look, you're not going to be able to play Chris Paul at 38 
you know, 37 minutes a night. That's just not going to happen. Um, they have no 3 and D wings. Zero. Zero. You know who's a really good 3 and D wing? Cam Johnson. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Because I just, you can't tell me that the Suns had to give up Cam Johnson in that trade. Like, Bridges, like, of course. Yeah. But Cam Johnson, no way. They didn't have to do that. They they could have substituted something else. And he would have been huge in this series. But what have you, what would you have substituted? Like, I don't know. Tory Craig, like I don't, Craig I mean, and you'd have to ship some other guy. You'd have to ship off like two or three of those like role players. That's fair, but those guys are I think are easier to replace than a guy like Cam Johnson. Additionally, Cam only had the one year on his contract. This was he's a free agent now. That's fair. I think he's unrestricted. I can't remember. Okay, so and like it, that's another part of it is that. But still, having a guy like Cam Johnson in the series would have been so nice for them. Another guy oh, agreed. Agreed. to put on Jamal Murray, a guy who can actually hit an open shot, a guy you know a forty percent three point shooter. Because I mean, like the role players, they just they didn't make shots. Like the, the two games that Phoenix won required for both Booker and Durant to both go crazy. Because uh-huh. Durant went nuts in those games too. We just didn't talk about it as much because of what Booker did. And so that whole roster just needs some work. And I'll be honest, I don't know if Monty Williams is, is the guy. There's there's two types of coaches at the NBA. There's builders who come into young teams and they develop guys. And for whatever reason, they struggle in the playoffs. And then there's guys that you bring in like Steve Kerr, who after all that has happened, they become the head coach and they're excellent in terms of X's and O's and managing personalities. And they can, for some reason, get, get over the hump. Yeah. And I just don't know if Monty Williams is, is that kind of coach. I think the problem stems with, it starts actually, with Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, Ayton's a dud. I I, I don't think Monty wanted him. Like, yeah, Monty didn't draft him. Well, he was great. Ayton was good last year. He, like, was. He, he was good in their he was good in their run to the finals. He was yeah. really good in their run to the finals. Yeah. And you look at how they how they used him just like in the postseason. once Chris Paul went down. Well, he hasn't developed at all. I agree. He hasn't added anything. His game hasn't changed, that's for sure. It hasn't he hasn't gotten any better. He's he's not shooting the ball any better. He's not very good on the low block. I mean, like he can kind of hit, you know, that twelve to fifteen footer, and like that's like that's his game. And, yeah. And defensively, he's not great. There's there's a lack of effort. And look, at the same time, he's it makes soft. sense as a guy who said my goal is to make it to my second contract. He has done that. He's getting paid on the second contract. Aren't you so glad that the that the Suns match the Pacers' offer? Yes. I mean, I just yeah, it's it's frustrating because he's he's athletic. I he's think a guy. He, he needs a new. He needs a new change. Like he needs a new. He needs a fresh he needs a new team. He needs a fresh start. Like I just, I think the talent's there. It is there. He's number one overall pick. Yes, and I just think he needs a new voice in his ear of a coach that supports him to build his confidence cool. because he's not a guy that you coach hard to build down and tear back up. He needs a guy that needs praised. Yeah, all the way through. It's like, hey, I like what you did here, but you need to do this instead of. Oh, you, you, you Jack gotta, Blank. You, you gotta you do suck the, this. You need to do that. You need to do that. Whatever. And then they the forget to tell you what sandwich. you're good at. Yeah. That's what you know. Hey, buddy. You know and that pass just, was great, but I need you to do this. But also, you're doing this well. The yeah, yes. Golly. 
That's that's but how he needs coached. At the same time, I, I want to kind of defend him. Because there's got to be this sense of frustration where you come into the league and it's kind of like these guys in Golden State where most of the time whenever you enter the league, you're on a really bad team and it's all about you and you get to play 40 minutes a night and you get to shoot the ball 30 times and it's all about the developments of that high overall pick. Aiton comes in, they go and they get Chris Paul and Devin Booker continues to ascend. So Aiton's the third option. Yep. And... The message is, when Chris Paul gets older, like we're going to lean on you more. Chris Paul gets older, and what do they do? They go get Kevin Durant. Yeah. And so they're not leaning on him. And there's got to be this sense of frustration of, I'm the number one overall pick. You just want you just want me to like play defense and run to, and rim run. Like that's there's there's some there's got to be some frustration there. Oh, 100 percent. Like, but that's not an excuse to to not do your job and to not help your team win and to let Jokic, who is nowhere near as athletic as Aiton, consistently beat him down the floor. The number of times where there'd be a fast break and Aiton would jog behind Jokic was just frustrating. I, I With him, it's just so fascinating because when Chris Paul went down, he was like not involved at all offensively because they he went wasn't. to iso ball with Devin Booker and, mm-hmm. and, and KD they did zero high ball screens. Yep. Zero pick and roll action. So he's limited to he's getting the ball in the block. Standing in the dunker in spot. In traffic. Yeah. Every time he got the ball in the block, he was always in traffic. Like there was always somebody defending him in the post and someone coming off to help. And then they would he had nowhere to go, so it'd either be a turnover or he'd have to force up a shot. Yeah. Or getting an offensive rebound trying to get a putback. Like those that's what he was limited to. Yeah. And when you look at the league itself, it's like, okay, or the association, I should say, who wants, who would want him? Like, who could use a player like that? Dallas. I think Dallas would take him. I, I agree. Dallas would be a perfect fit because of they, Luka. They need a big. They need yeah. a, and an athletic big. Like, And Aiton would fit really well there. As a Dallas fan, I just don't know if I really want Aiton. Just the, with the lack of effort, that's always a concern. I think the lack of effort comes from not – being involved. That's fair. And I, yeah, because that matters. Um, yes, and I think there's name? a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff going on Who? or that has gone on in yeah. Phoenix. I, I I think there's there's a divide in the locker room between Booker and Paul mm-hmm. and everybody else. Yeah. it's There's some problems in Phoenix. It's I think that's, that's pretty clear. Um, but yeah, I... Yeah, I, I I think you're right. I think that if he was more involved on the offensive end, he'd he'd be he'd be more engaged. And like the way they they play their offense, it doesn't really allow him to develop either. Like we talk yeah. about him not being able to develop and hasn't developed. Like the way they use him offensively, it, it just kind of limits him to a couple of things. Of like we said that that free throw line jump shot, or a mid or a high post or pick and roll. That like that's what he does, and that's all their offense is like. They don't try to ask him to pop out for a three to see if he can do it. Yeah, maybe he can't, and that's why they don't do it. But they don't really ask for it because they put they have Chris Paul and him on the high screen, and then it allows Paul to like do whatever he wants if he wants to lob it up to Aiden, if he wants to dump it down to Aiden, drive in, kick out. Like that's that's just their game. Like drive and kick is all it is really with high ball screen action. Yeah, that's all it is. And then it's Booker and Durant. Attacking the the closeout, but yeah, I mean they have to trade. They ha- they have to trade Aiton and 
Paul this offseason. Like, you think the they trade Paul? They have to. Like, they have they have no. They're options. not going to be able to trade Paul. He's going to cost forty million dollars next year. So, Nobody's picking up that contract. They're going to have to trade him. Like, I could see him moving Aiton and grabbing some some three and D guys because that's what they need. That's, that's ultimately what they need. I agree. But Send like, him to Brooklyn. More the the Paul the Paul trade would be more so of a salary cap dump. Yeah, it was like, hey, here's Chris Paul, and we'll take whatever. I don't know whoever's cheap, and then cut uh, them. Yeah, yeah, that kind of deal. Like here, but and the problem with that is, is like you need some sort of sweetener to go with Chris Paul, and you don't have a first round pick until 2029. You don't. So it's like. They have to get creative with it because they have to open up some cap space to sign some guys with some notoriety that have experience in the playoffs that have produced and who can play the wing or a point guard position to run the offense to take a little bit of pressure off Booker uh, on the offensive end as a playmaker. Yeah. We'll see what they end up doing. Well, the thing is, like, with Kevin Durant there, he should be the guy who takes the pressure off of Devin Booker as the playmaker. Well, you don't. I know, but, like, you don't ask KD, like, hey, I want you to bring the ball up to court, and I want you to create for others. The way that Kevin Durant creates is, like, you get him in the mid-high post, you let him put his back to the basket, he observes the defense, kind of like what Jokic does, or you put him at the top of the key, or on the wing, and you let him try and create off the dribble, and then let him drive. Like, that's what Kevin Durant does. You don't ask him to bring it up to court and be like, direct traffic and offense and whatever. That's fair. Like they were doing in games uh five and six because or four five and six because they didn't have paul, paul out there yeah that's fair i get that let's talk about denver really quickly they run the best offense in the nba they get good shots whenever they want i don't think i don't think the warriors or the lakers are, are going to beat them part of it is because they're incredible at home like if you're playing in denver you're not you're not going to beat denver in denver they're incredible at home uh i think they're vastly underrated on defense. Like, they have, I think, they don't have any, like, specific, this is the wing defender who is great, and we know that he can defend multiple positions. Like, they don't have anybody like that. But Aaron Gordon's a good defender. Jamal Murray, I thought his, I thought he's been good defensively. KCP, that's a good defender. That's probably their best defender. Bruce Brown is a really good defender. Uh-huh. I love Bruce Brown. He's Chris, one of my favorites Christian role Brown players. Christian Brown has been big for them, too. Bra- yeah, Christian Brown. Brown's been really good for them. I mean... They've got, you know, like I said, they don't have any one guy where you're just like, we're going to stick you on the opposing team's best player. But they have multiple guys who can do a good job. And then, look, I know Jokic takes a lot of crap for his defense, but he's always in the right spot. And, look, when you're that big, if you can just stand in the right spot if you can just and, be like, and put your hands up, yeah, like he can test a lot of shots. He's a fantastic rebounder. I don't think anybody would deny that. And the way that he controls the game on offense is just, it's incredible. They are they look like the best team to me. I thought the one team that could beat them in the West was the team they just faced because of the if you got the ball screen action with Booker and Aiden, mm-hmm. he's playing drop coverage every time because he's not going to come out because he knows you're going to beat him off the dribble. And that's the thing with and like so you need a team that's really good in in mid range like and that's what Phoenix does like. Well, not even that. Can you imagine? I uh, let's play. Let's say that the Warriors win tonight. And they win Game Seven. What are what are they gonna do when Jokic is having to, to defend a ball screen with Steph Curry as the ball handler? Talk about Denver. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's that's gonna be Steph has cooked Denver a lot between this year and last year because of that. 
Yeah, it's that's going to be interesting. Um, I mean, just looking at the Lakers, they have so much size to throw at him with Anthony Davis, obviously, on both ends of the floor. I think both are unique matchups for Denver, but as a whole, I just I don't know how you stop this team's offense. I, have, I don't know how you do it. To me... You have to you have to heavily contest and close out, and you can't let Porter Jr. get going early. He's I like his game. Um, and you just have to. To me, the best way to defend Denver is you have to eliminate everyone else outside of Jokic. Like, yeah. and he has such a tremendous ability to make the everyone else better. And like what Aaron Gordon does offensively for them is like perfect. It is because you know he he's a weak side offensive rebounder. He's really good at attacking the basket. He attacks closeouts like you like you don't want him playing one on one. Yeah, but you know when Jokic is able to back down and kick, and then he's he's attacking a closeout. Aaron Gordon's really good. He can shoot it. Jamal Murray is he's been really good this year. That screen and roll with him and Jokic is so good. And I think the underrated part of Jokic that we haven't talked about in this Phoenix series, um, he shot forty four percent from three. Oh, yeah, he can shoot it, man. And I, I think you're right. The way to beat Denver is to make Jokic a scorer because, look, he's he's going to get 25, and Denver is much better when Jokic takes 15 shots than when Jokic takes 25 shots. Yeah, because that means someone else is hitting, or multiple. Yeah, Like exactly. last night, KCP yeah. was hitting. Last Jamal night, Murray was hitting. And, look, the game that they lost, I mean, he had 53-11. Like, and that's the game that they lost. That's what you want him to do. Um yeah, they're good. I don't. Do you agree that they look the best so far, or what do you, what do you kind of think? Oh yeah, I mean, I think they should cruise the NBA Finals because if they get LA, LA is just going to be so beaten up, like and exhausted, like yeah. between LeBron so and Davis. That I don't think they'll have enough energy. And then same can kind of be said for Golden State, like back to got, back, like if back to back seven game series. Yeah, and, is tough. And, and you have an older roster as it is with Steph and Clay, and Clay yeah. doesn't look good right now. And you've got Andrew Wiggins dealing with the rib injury, the fractured rib. So I mean, like they should theoretically they should win against L.A. in five or and then Golden State in six. That's that's how I would go. Yeah. Uh, and then on the Eastern Conference side of it, I think Philly would be the best matchup for them, or well, the worst matchup for them. Oh, without a doubt. With Embiid, just with how I mean, he look. We saw him cook. And Tucker can defend uh, Gordon. Mm-hmm. The, the the key would be or Murray P- Porter Jr. Yeah, I would put Tucker on Gordon because you need someone to match the toughness. Because you can't That's put fair. you can't put Maxi on him because obviously Maxi yeah would get lacks bullied. the size. Gordon really would get put... bullied. That's the thing though. I think. The one thing that's been really frustrating. Or you put Tobias maybe, but maybe. you probably put Tobias on Porter Jr. because you need yeah. Tobias. You know, you need his length to yeah. defend Porter Jr. I the the frustrating thing that I think Denver would do a much better job of that Boston hasn't done. Boston doesn't hunt James Harden, and the way Jamal Murray is, you can't tell me that he wouldn't hunt James Harden. Yeah, and make him defend. That's been the most frustrating thing with this Boston series, which we can move into now if if you're ready for yeah. it. Is they don't hunt James like they don't hunt the worst defender on the floor. And watching last night, every time that James Harden got matched up on Brown, Brown scored or they got a good look. When James Harden got matched up on Marcus Smart, they scored or they got a good look. And, you know, when Jay, when he got matched up on Jason Tatum, Tatum got to the rim and just couldn't finish. He started 0 of 11 from the field. Uh-huh. And then he, he entered the fourth quarter with three points, and then he scored 16 in the fourth. Yeah. And even though he didn't shoot it well in the first three quarters, I thought he was awesome. 
He I, showed up when you needed him to show up. But That's even, the most important part. Even in the first three quarters, though, I thought he was a great playmaker. He found open guys consistently. Yeah. He rebounded. I think he, he had played six, great defense. I think he had six rebounds and five assists in the first quarter. Yeah, I mean, like, the energy was up. He just missed shots that he usually makes. And then in the fourth quarter, they finally started to fall at the perfect time. Yeah. And I think that here, here's two more things. On Tuesday, I, ri- I ripped Smart because he just he frustrates me to no end. And of course, I rip him, and then he comes out in game six, and he plays the best game he's played he's all played year. He's played fantastic all in this series for them. Like, he's been consistent. He was, he was an issue on in game five. I thought he like he took ten threes in – was that game five? Maybe that was game four. That was game four. I think he, he can be a little trigger-happy sometimes. I think that's the frustrating part. But look, game six, he was awesome. He was plus 18. The problem, though, is like when he, the reason why he was shooting, and I talked about this last time I was on, Jalen Brown disappears in the fourth quarter. He yeah. did, He was on the floor the final eight, just about eight minutes. Yeah. He touched the ball offensively twice. Yeah, that's an issue. And one time was at the end of the game. Yeah. After an offensive rebound. Jeez. That before the before Tatum's last three, when Philly called the timeout and then everyone cleared benches. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I don't understand, like, how you go from being such an attacker the first three quarters. Yeah. To go, and then now you just go stand in a corner, and it's like. And you spot up. And then it's like, all right, what, are you just getting your cardio in? Like. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. And, like, he went Could from, part of it be that he's having to, he's having to defend Harden? And so the later the game gets, he just gets tired, and he and he defers to Tatum. I don't know, but like, it was smart in Tatum taking almost all the shots in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and it should have been because those were the two guys who were hitting. Smart was their leading scorer, yeah, which is just a crazy thing to say. And I want to defend Hor- Horford really quickly. People have been ripping him for the offense that he's played. It's really tough. To have legs throughout the game and to be consistent when you have a 300-pound guy leaning on you for most of the game. Yeah. Like, of course he's not going to shoot the ball well. He's putting all of his defense into defending Embiid, the most physically dominant presence we have in, in the NBA. And so, yeah, the people who are ripping Horford, stop. He'll be fine. Um, and last thing. Philly deserves to lose this game because Joel Embiid didn't didn't touch the ball for the last three minutes and, and fifty five seconds. He didn't touch the ball for the last three minutes and fifty five seconds. He was on the floor in the fourth quarter, in a game where first team All Yo Yo James Harden wasn't <laughs> playing great. I mean, like if it's one of those games where you know Harden's you know on a burner and he's shooting the ball really well, I can understand Embiid not touching the ball as much. Yeah, like Harden was four for fourteen at one point. I mean. He, like I said, he didn't play great. Maxie's been awesome. Tobias has been a, a non-factor in um, three of the six games. Yeah, that's Tobias Harris, though. That's that's what I expect from Tobias Harris. <laughs> I mean, but when you look at how he, I mean, he averaged twenty a game in that Brooklyn series. That's fair. That's kind of I think that's peak Harris, especially in this role where he's definitely the fourth option behind Maxie and Harden and Embiid. But this, yeah, I think. I don't think there's any way that Boston loses Game 7. Nope. Kind of like tonight with Golden well, State. Unless Embiid scores, you know, 40. Which is, he could do that, but. I thought, and I, I have been, I have been going after Joe Bazula. He's been bad. He has been bad. I thought he was better in Game uh, game 6. Like you said, they started attacking Harden. 
they started pulling a little bit closer to the paint. They were packing the paint a little bit more mm-hmm. and leaving the corner open for Harris or Tucker, and yeah. neither one of them hit their shots last night. So it made it a little bit easier to defend and beat on the inside. The, and it took them four games to three and a half games, maybe three and three quarters to figure that out. Yeah. Or four, I should say. It's like, what what took so long? And another part of it, like I just talked about with Jalen Brown, is like, you can't afford to have Tatum always being the guy in the fourth quarter because when you do that, he loses sight of on what's a good shot. Yeah, that's fair. Because then he just starts. Uh, last night, here's an example. The transition three that he pulled up to take. Yeah. And then throws it away because he's contested. Like, that's that's the reason. You need to remind Tatum's like, hey, I understand you're our best player, but you got to keep the other guys involved here. In mind. Because yeah. I can't have you just jacking up three-point shot after three-point shot. Especially since at that Especially since at that point. He yeah. wasn't hitting at that point. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but, yeah, Boston wins game seven. I think we both agree on that. Yeah. Uh, Heat win tonight. Oh, yeah. And, look, the only way that they don't win, Brunson's I thought that the Knicks— going to play all 48 again, so will Quentin Grimes as long as they don't get hurt or in foul trouble. Well, it's that, and, like, I thought that the Knicks in game five did a really good job of keeping the ball out of Jimmy Butler's hands. And whenever Butler did, did catch the ball, they did a really good job of getting it out of his hands. Spolstra is such a good coach. He's going to make adjustments where that just doesn't happen as much. I think Jimmy, you know. I think you'll see Jimmy be more of a point guard tonight. You'll see him bring it up a little bit more. Yeah, To try I agree. and get into his offense. I agree. And get the team into their offense. Yep. And so, yeah, I like Miami tonight. They're also at home. Where the role players should 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 shoot the ball better. That's what you would expect. Um, and this is the game that I've been dying to talk about. Okay. Everybody's taking the Lakers tonight. I if I had to put money on it, I would take LA tonight. But there's this thing that I just think you can't ignore about Golden State. They've won twenty eight. They've won. They've won a road game in twenty eight consecutive playoff series. Is that right? I uh, didn't know that. It's, I was. It's, it's some re- egregious number. Yeah, which it's yeah, which it would make sense. But here's the thing: Steph Curry, six of his last twenty five from three. It's twenty four percent. Clay is eight of his last twenty-four, and Jordan Poole is one of his last twelve. Yeah, all three of those guys are due. And is this the night where Clay Thompson breaks out That's and he game hits six? And he yeah yeah the game six from like seven years ago. And last year he had a great game. He six. did. He, he had did. like a thirty-five point game or something. He did. But like Clay is due and Steph is due and Jordan Poole not as obviously not as good of a shooter. But he's streaky, and he's due. He's one for his last 12. That's 8%. Jordan Poole is shooting 8% from three since game two. And all three of those guys are due, and that's the danger of playing this Golden State team where you know one of those guys gets hot for three minutes, and you look up and you're down by 15. And this series has been so interesting because what the Warriors do well, the Lakers struggle to defend, and what's the Lakers do well. The Warriors str- struggle to defend. Yes. And look, game, game five. I think it was game five. Um, th- whatever game was one hundred four, one hundred one. It was in. It was in L.A. So yeah, game four. Game four. Look, Stan Van Gundy said it during the broadcast. He said the late the Warriors are like hitting two or three. They're two or three threes away from really breaking this thing open. 
and they just never hit those two or three threes. Uh-huh. They shot 29% from three in that game. Yep. And look, they they have figured some stuff out, putting Anthony Davis in the screen and roll. Uh, Andrew Wiggins looked really good in game uh, five. Draymond Green looked great in game five. He needs to continue to be aggressive. Yeah. So he didn't have to score 20, but if he scores 10 or 12, yeah. and he just if he just looks at the basket, he has games where he doesn't even like attempt to score, and that's an issue because like I don't care who was on your team. If you're playing four on five on offense, you're not going to score, especially when you're playing the Lakers, who are one of the best set defenses in the NBA this year. Which is really weird considering who one of their players is because he doesn't play defense. Uh, D'Angelo Russell. LeBron. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. because LeBron only plays defense. It's in spurts. Hear me out. LeBron only plays defense when he knows there's an opportunity to block a shot. That's the only time you'll see him play defense because he knows that it'll get yeah. it'll get his name somewhere. Like, I think, oh, LeBron with the block well, shot or something like that. Well, if you've noticed, and like, he, he, doesn't, stands. he doesn't defend on the ball as much anymore. And part of that is because he's older. Part of that is the foot injury. I yes. think part of it, too, though, is because he can be that off-ball guy who comes off Plays help defense and is able to block shots. Like I think that's why they have him on Moody. Uh, yeah. Whenever Moody's on the floor, even though at the end of game, I guess it was the end of game four, he he defended Steph for for different parts of it, mm-hmm. and he did. You know, I mean, he did a good job. He did well enough for them to win. Um, but yeah, I I agree. The defensive intensity from LeBron isn't isn't what it was, but like it makes sense. He's older. He's he's got the foot thing going on right now. I'm I'm not going to bang him too too much. Just for everything that he's got going on, so yeah. And uh, if I'm Golden State, I'm forcing the ball into the hands of D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, well, that's because D'Angelo Russell has been an atrocity when he's got the ball in his hands. Well, here's what happened: he was fine the first three games. Game four, look, people think that the Gary Payton sub was for offense and the screen and roll. It wasn't. No. It was to put him on D'Lo because oh, yeah. the first three games D'Lo played really well. They've put in Gary Payton, and that has taken away D'Lo. Yes. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll put the ball into who, the hands of whoever Gary Payton's defending. <laughs> I mean, that's he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA. Yeah, and I and on the offensive end, it pulls a it pulls AD away from the basket, as Steph said, and I can't after whatever game that was game yeah. game five maybe Ga- game four was when they they made the switch. Uh, but it was game five they interviewed Steph because they Maybe. won. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, so they they brought up about going smaller to, you know, bring AD out because, like, he's got to come out just, like, a step or two further. And then it clears up so much. They're mm-hmm. able to get in behind the defense. It allows Peyton to get past him in a roll situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, it opens up so much and for them. It, it does. It's, it's going to be really fun tonight because I just – I think Steph's going to play well. He's played well all series. I think he's, he's going to shoot well. He yeah. was three of fourteen from three the other night in Game Four, and that's just you know that's that's uncharacteristic. He was three of three of eleven in Game Five. But you have to wa- you have to wonder though are the minutes catching up? Like because he's had to play so we can much. Ask the sa- we got the same thing about Anthony Davis and LeBron. It is. I mean, they've both had all three of those guys have played a lot. I, I just I think that the way that Steph plays though, first of all, he he's conditioned to do this. Uh huh. And secondly. It's a set shot and not a jump shot. And so your legs aren't as big of a deal. And so the more minutes you play, it shouldn't affect your jump shot as much. Because, I mean, he's jumping, you know, four inches off the ground. I'm not saying more so of the legs. I'm just saying more of just, like, 
mentally fatigued. I don't know. He's been so good just passing the ball. Yeah. I've been really impressed because, you know, usually he'll have stretches in series where he'll go like a game. He'll have like six minutes in a random game where he turns the ball over like four times. And, and then, he hasn't had that. And so, then he'll have, then he'll have like a three or four minute stretch. It's like three, three, three. Yeah, he hadn't had that either. So maybe we get both tonight. Yeah. <laughs> well, there was the, it was the game four game. He had, he had the three in the corner. Then he, Followed it up. In game four, he only made three threes. He was he was three of fourteen. Uh, I know, but like you're right. I'm though saying is like the the shot making is. I may have been a two. It may have been a two from like the corner, you know, like a couple feet. The little inside. like short step back he hit over AD. Yeah, little, and yeah. then he came back. Like and I think shot. I think he hit like either a top or a left wing three. Okay. And then the next possession, he had an assist. Yeah. So it was like, to me, he was getting his little spurt. For the Golden State in different ways, there. Yeah. Well, last thing on Golden State, and then, and then we can wrap. I think that if Clay Thompson doesn't come out and shoot the ball well, Moses Moody needs to play more than nine minutes because he shot the ball well and he Defense. brings so mu- he brings so much more defensively and he rebounds really well. Look, mm-hmm. I'm, we- I'm wearing my Arkansas stuff right now, but, but you you've watched enough of the series to know that I'm not just saying that because oh, he's, yeah. he's he's my guy. But I mean, he closed out Game Four. He did. In the fourth. And he played really well. Well, he made he made a mistake. They ran the little dribble handoff play, and he didn't give it back to Steph because Steph would have had an open three, and he would have shot it. And you see Steph yell at him on their way back, and yeah. that's, I think that's part of why he didn't play as much in Game Five. But still, like you need him defensively because Clay Thompson just isn't what he was on defense after all the injuries. Well, and if that, he's not hitting shots, then he doesn't need to be on the floor. Well, that and then in Game Five, Kerr. Tinkered with the lineup a little bit. He put the entire starting five out there for the entire second quarter, besides maybe like final ninety seconds. Yeah, he got, he, he pulled Steph to give Steph an, an extra minute thirty of time to you know get ready for the second half. And then yep. you know the starters played. I think I want to say about you know twenty to twenty one minutes of the second half. So it's like there wasn't much room for him to be playing. Because yeah, Kerr needed the starters in the game. Yeah, we'll see though. It's going to be interesting. I'm ready. No work tomorrow, so I can stay up and and not feel bad about it. I know, right? Just like the feeling of looking at the clock at like one thirty in the morning, knowing you got to get up, you know, between four and five. <laughs> it's just time like, for a nap. <laughs> it's well, it's just like it's time for a nap, and it's also like, geez, I hope I don't oversleep my alarm. Yes, that's the most terrifying. That, part. Yeah, that's got to be like the, the so the, yeah. Jeez, but thanks so much for for taking the time. This is always fun. Yes, sir. So, I agree. I'm sure the more we get in, you know, the deeper we get, the more fun it gets. So, oh, by the way, the Atlanta Falcons just changed their Twitter to the Red Stallions, and their bio says "Roar," R A W R. I love that. That's hilarious. I think that because they did that, we 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 got to give the best schedule intro to to the Titans. What about the... Uh, you see the Colts? You see what they did? The Cowboys? The Colts. Did you is see it, what they did? I don't know. Well, according to the video, they are the Cowboys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, they had Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner eat food and try to guess where it was based off the food that they were served. Oh, that's dope. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. Um, Miami did some kind of video. I didn't... I didn't. Everybody, like, does the release now, and I'm just like, I don't want to take... They're all like two, they're all like at least two minutes. It's like I don't want to take the next hour 
to sit down and watch all 30 of these releases. I don't think videos. all the teams have done it. Just uh, the teams that have creative digital departments. Miami's is like three and a half minutes long. Vegas was four. I haven't Vegas's watched it was four minutes. Yeah. The Titans was like two and a half. The Colts is somewhere around five. Cause, yeah. Because you got two guys eating food and they're trying to figure out what. I don't know. But. Jeez. Gotta love it though. Any anything to give us content at this point in the year that's oh, yeah. not the NBA playoffs is nice. So, agreed. Agreed. Yeah, and it's we're weeks we're like a month away from just being like, I guess we're going to talk about baseball today. <laughs> that's fine with me. I love baseball. You got a couple weeks till the five hundred too. You guys want to talk about game ninety seven between? Hell yeah! <laughs> Let's do it. I'll be it. I'll be at uh, Bush here in a little over a month. I'm Bush excited. Stadium. Ha- haven't been there yet. We can, we can cross it off the list. Going to watch the the Cardinals and the Cubs. That's a that's an interesting stadium. Um, once you get there, you'll understand why. That when I tell this to you, you feel like you're in a square, and it's like, hmm. and it's like a very small like you feel like it's a small field. Yeah, because like you can sit on the first base side, and it feels like you can just reach over and touch left field. That's crazy. It's weird. That is weird. I'm I'm debating. I I, I think I think I know what I'm going to do. But there's a part of me that's like, look, I love Arenado. The fact that he's a Cardinal breaks my heart because I'm, you know, huge Cubs fan. Yeah. Got, I have an Arenado Rockies jersey. There's part of me that's like, do I want to wear that? Or do I want to wear the uh, my uh, Sandberg jersey? Mm. Well, I think if you're a Cubs fan going that's to a Cubs thing. game, you've got to wear the Sandberg that's, jersey. That's kind of what I'm thinking. Because then you're going to... Cardinals fans will think you're a Cardinals fan if you wear the Arenado jersey. That's true. Maybe I just bring it with me. Like I'm a big like, like let's try to get autographs. I've got no shame. Like there you go. The the, the whole grown men shouldn't wear jerseys to games thing I think is stupid. Like yes, you I should just, wear a jersey. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's more weird when grown men just wear jerseys to wear jerseys. Like yeah. as like everyday attire. So like, what do you what do you think about uh, the guy that we work with? That wears a jersey every single day. You know day. who I'm talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. That's I've told day. him that. I've told him that. Okay, good. That's Yeah, we got a guy we work with. He wears a jersey every single day. It's almost, always something almost different, Almost every though. day. Almost every day. Yeah, I don't, he, didn't, he didn't wear one today. I was half expecting to walk in with him having, wearing, wearing like a Manning jersey. Since Wait, hold on. I, we may be talking about two different people now. Oh. Okay. We'll discuss this off air. We will discuss this off the air. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for listening and listening in to the random work stuff there at the end of that. Um, we'll be back. I'll be back again with another podcast on Tuesday, breaking down more more of the NBA playoffs. If you want instant game reactions, go over to YouTube. Subscribe subscribe to the YouTube channel, Shooting the Schmitz. We got stuff going up over there, if not every day, every other day. So once again, thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to y'all again on Tuesday.